Welcome to the My Intimacy Therapist podcast. I'm therapist and coach, Shade Giovanni. If you want to feel less anxiety in your relationships and enjoy a confident and spiritual intimate life, you're in the right place. So grab a cup of tea and a warm blanket and let's talk intimacy. Okay. So everyone, this is a different episode. We have a special guest here. This is Ariel Astoria. Um, I would just love for you to kind of lay the red carpet for yourself and say what you love okay. about you. Sure. Um, so my name is Ariel Astoria. I'm a, a poet, a speaker, um, an author, an artist. I feel like my my um drop downs change all the time because I'm like I don't know what am I right now <laughs> you know like do I do I identify as this um but I think that yeah I think poet author artist kind of encapsulates kind of everything um I'm a storyteller and um I love yeah feeling and feeling deeply and inviting people into those spaces as well and um, I'm from the Los Angeles area or I'm living in I'm from the Bay Area but California born and raised and um yeah I'm recently married and um fully vaccinated and ready to start getting back to life I'm like is that part of our bias now like um because I feel like it's important so um yeah I love breakfast foods and um Adele usually makes me cry um and yeah yay so I culture is really important to me I think it's a Mm. part of what makes us human and enjoy the earth that we're on so what is your cultural background yeah so I am both my parents are um African-American but then we have like this like drop down of a lot of different things. So like on my dad's side, we have a lot of like Cherokee um, and more Native American. Um, and then also like dashes of like Puerto Rican as well. Yeah. Um, and then you have the traditional Irish and all that stuff. And um, I come from a long line of, um, of very yellow people. So we're kind of like this plethora of yeah. a lot of different things. Um, but both my parents are, are born and raised in, in the Bay Area. So I think that's a part of, huge part of my, um, my background as well of just like the Bay Area culture and it's just, mm-hmm. it's different. It's different out there. Um, but yeah, we're like, we have one brother in our family. So we like tease that we're going to like try to track all the lineage through him um, yeah. to see like what, yeah, what it folds into. Oh, cool. I was born in Connecticut and then moved to Georgia um, when I was like 13. So I only know East Coast culture. How yeah. is the Bay Area different than over here? Um, I mean, well, I mean the the long line East Coast West Coast, um, not <laughs> rivalry even, but just like differentiation. Yeah. Um, I mean, culturally, I would say they're like similar vibes because I'm in Southern California, so even the difference between Northern and Southern California is it's like its own thing um Mm -hmm. they are two different places like I had like culture shock coming here (laughs) because it was just like I grew up in the bay where there's everything of every kind of person you know you can't go anywhere and not see you know people from all kinds of descents whereas like for where I came in LA I was like wow where's 
where's the people of color? Like, where's anyone <laughs> of color, you know? So it was like very off-putting. I also like went to like a private Christian university. So I really wasn't seeing anyone. I was like one of like five black kids in my class, you know? So it was like, yeah, I really love how I grew up because I grew up with like a Korean best friend and then a Filipino and white and then a black, like, so I had just everything around me all the time. Um, and I love that about mm. the Bay. Um, and it also just like, LA culture is very like LA, you know? So it's very just like showy and businessy and like fake a lot of times where I was like in the Bay area, like if they don't mess with you, like they're not gonna pretend to mess with you. Okay. So, um, and just like, yeah, just the fashion sense, it just, so they're all very different, but I mean, yeah. I've been to New York quite a few times for poetry and things like that. And yeah, it just, the culture there, I think the culture there is more rich, I would say, I think because Bay area is such a melting pot, mm -hmm. um, the culture is kind of like, it's all over the place. Um, but I think there's such a through line culture um, to um, to the East Coast, but those are, just, mm. those are just my thoughts. And your husband, what culture is he? He So he's actually Italian American um, and his family is from out here in Southern California um, in, the, in the empire. And so, um, yeah, but then they have like quite a mix of like adopted um, siblings and, and half siblings and things like oh, that. Cool. And I think his stepmom is like half Asian. So it's quite, it's really, it's really pretty being able to see all our families together, but he's mostly um, Italian American. Mm -hmm. I really love that. Okay. So I would love to hear more about your story, your love story, because you've been, um, I don't know if you call it in the public space or whatever, but you've been mm -hmm. in the public space for a while, um, even before you were married. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the people listening to this podcast are interested in enriching their relationships, whether it be because they're currently single or they're currently married. And so you've been able to have, I think, a pretty rich perspective of what it looks like to be whole in mm -hmm. both sides of that uh, relationship status, I guess. So what's your what's your love story yeah so um john and i met technically through uh, his sister via instagram um so i had she'd been um following me beforehand and um i respond to pretty much everyone and so she'd been a constant um responder so i knew of her i felt like i had like built you know a mm -hmm. connection to her and um over time and then she sent one of my poems to to John and John kind of like made the joke of like oh this is about to be my next girlfriend <laughs> and um she's like yeah okay whatever like she's <laughs> famous you know like in quotation marks I did yeah. I wouldn't consider myself that but you know she's like not she's out of reach and he just kind of continued to joke about it and then he started to follow me as well and um especially at that time, my demographic was definitely mostly um, 
women, you know, like I didn't have a lot of guys yeah. that I was like telling that they are worthy, you know, and enough <laughs> and beautiful. And so, um, there's this guy now, you know, following uh-huh. me and he would watch my stories and things like that. And so I'm like, who is this? Who is this dude? Um, and then I had comment, I had made a post about like writers, you know, and asking different writers, what tools they use, um, what helps them stay motivated in writing. And he commented on that and we kind of went back and forth a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then even more so I was like, who is this dude, you know? And um, then I found the connection of like, oh, this is um, this is Brittany's brother. And um, so I DM'd him because at that time his his bio said um, full-time barista, part-time palette. Okay. So it's like, oh, he does poetry. Great. Go. So at that time I was hosting an open mic and I was like hard into recruiting at that time, especially guy poets are really hard to find. Hmm. Um, and so I DM'd him and I was like, hi, my name is Arielle. I saw you come to on my, on my writer thing and I see you're a poet. Like I host an open mic. Um, if you would like to come perform, like feel free to, you know, let me know. We do features, yada, yada. And um, he was like, oh, like, I don't, I don't perform, you know, like I don't, I don't do that. I just kind of write, you know? Yeah. But I would love to come in and check it out. And, um, I was like, yeah, sure. And then I just like my networking brain, like turned off and then I was like, cool, whatever. Yeah. That was done, you know? Um, but then he kept, yeah, messaging me and he kept asking questions and keeping the conversation going. And I was just kind of like, okay, I don't know what's happening here, Mm -hmm. but sure. Um, but I was like, I don't think I necessarily liked him at that point, but I was intrigued by him um, at that point. And so that continued until um, we met in person for the first time at a concert. Um, And it was like a house show concert. So super small, really intimate and like very, yeah, it was really fun. Um, But I was there with a friend and he kind of just like came in as well. And uh, we talked pretty much the whole time. And then the show happened and we stayed by each other, which was really interesting. And then um, we left and he DM'd me. And um, I remember him asking me like, oh, have you seen the moon tonight? what like who is this person like have I seen a moon like who are you was I just like remembered leaving just being like who is this person you Uh know and um then a week later he came to my open mic and before that we had like he was like oh I'm at a coffee shop doing homework um, and I forgot my charger. Uh, so if you want to come by, so I came okay. by to the coffee. Yeah, he, he, he's very, he's very. an Enneagram five. So everything was like very strategic and it felt very strategic and intentional. Um, and having the track record of like dating mostly in Christian school, like proximity, there's just like a lot of like teetering and nothing was really authentic all the time or it was like a lot of god cards and things like that and so here comes this person not from that context and he was just like very like this is a date I'm asking for your number <laughs> like just very oh. straightforward and I was just like oh you're playing like no games so um yeah he came to my open mic 
um, we got, we exchanged numbers that night and he was like, oh, like, do you like Childish Gambino? Like, would you want to go to the concert? And I was like, yeah, sure. I'd love that. And so that was supposed to be our first date and it ended up not being our first date because the week before Childish Gambino got injured. And so they pushed um, oh. the concert back until like December. And I was like, what if we are not even talking to each other in December? Oh. Um, and so we had a whole different night and it was beautiful and he planned it and we had food and went to Griffith Observatory and he read a book to me on a bench and then like plopped it on my lap and it was a whole thing so um that kind of got me after that I was just like oh my goodness like what Nicholas Sparks mess did I just <laughs> saunter into um and I just remember being so enamored you know by him and um could just like feel how different he was in his heart and um he fascinated me and terrified me all at once and so yeah we dated for a little over a year and then got engaged in um in 20 in uh, November of 2019 and then we got married in May of 2020. Mm, that's yeah. beautiful. Wait May of 20 you got married in the pandemic. We did yes we did get married in the pandemic. Oh how how did how <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I well, obviously we didn't intend to get married in yeah, a pandemic. Right, right. We, I we remember like right the week before lockdown and um, I was supposed to have like a meeting with my videographer and um, my day of planner at our venue. We had like just booked our, um, our bartender that Tuesday, like everything was wow. supposed to go as we thought, I won't even say as planned, um, because um, that wasn't the case. And so we kind of just like waited and we're like, well, we'll maybe be in this pandemic thing for a few weeks, which is so funny to think about, you know, over a year later. And then the yeah. more we got closer to May, the more we're like, okay, well, we're still trying to be married. Um, so I guess we're just gonna figure this out. So one of the things we did a lot in the pandemic was we would just get in the car and just drive. Mm -hmm. And then whatever takeout places were around, we'd drive through and just sit somewhere in the car just to be not in the house. And so we did that um, to Pismo Beach, um, which is where we ended up getting married. And my family is in the Bay Area. His family is out here in Southern California. So we tried to find a place that's in the middle that they could come to you for a, like not too long of a drive and then leave back home if they needed to. Um, so we got married at this park where it met a beach, which was really lovely. Mm. And um, we had a little 30 minute ceremony, um, went to In-N-Out after, and then people either went home or we stayed there for a few nights. Um, and yeah, it was, I mean, it wasn't what we thought it was gonna be, but it was still really beautiful. We have no plans right now um, to do any other ceremony. Um, eventually we would like to dance with our friends. We miss, we definitely missed that part mm -hmm. of life. Um, but other than that, like we are married, you know, and we, we have our certificate, like it's official, it's legit, you know, for us. And so yeah. we had what we had and it was really beautiful and kind of just like having this first year of like, oh man, if we can go through a freaking global pandemic together, mm -hmm. like what can't we do, yeah. you know, like not that life's not going to get hard and, and that we'll have to like refiguring out how to be in, in life again has been like weird because we've just been like in our own little like bubble for yeah. a year. Um, but for the most part, it's just kind of like, we feel very 
lucky um, in a weird sense to have that foundation um, because I think it really like shaped us and helped us learn and about each other and, and really reiterate the creating a safe space that home is um, like physical home for each other, but also um, just the home that each other are to um, that we are, e- we are to each other as well. So, yeah. Well, that was, I was going to say that was well said, but obviously this is your profession. <laughs> of course, string <laughs> words to that was beautiful. I, I'm curious about, so like going back to the dating part of your story, um, in Christian culture, for the most part, <laughs> there's an interesting set of um, expectations mm-hmm. or the spirit spiritualization I tread lightly with that phrasing but of the dating process mm-hmm. of what does it look like to choose a person what does it look like to date the quote unquote right way what does it mean right. if you're single for an extended period all of that jazz right. yeah <laughs> so who were you at the time when you were dating like mindset wise heart wise mm-hmm. expectations wise yeah I mean when we were, when I'm, I didn't really date prior to John. I just like, wasn't, I guess that person for people. Um, so I just kind of was like, cool. I got things to do. So, um, like I would try to online date and stuff like that. And I actually, the year John and I met, I was in like a group of 12 girls, um, other and 12 other women. And we were in this Facebook group and also a text group. And we were all online dating just cause we're like, we want to know what we want and what we don't want. And yeah. so we would go on these dates. We would um, video ourselves before and be like, okay, I'm going on this date with this guy. He seems nice. I'm really excited. Um, here's what I'm a little nervous about. And then we'd like wait for them to go back live again and tell us how the date went. Would you go on the second date? Would you not go on a second date? You know, and all that kind oh. of stuff. So I was in this like, I don't even know beta testing. <laughs> I don't even know what you call that. Like I was in this date group with these other women and um, the goal was to go, I think on 12 dates. Um, and I think I made it to six and then I met John. Um, and, and so that was like really fun to be like, um, I'm dropping out of this, I think, <laughs> because I think I found someone. Um, and so yeah, just like that learning of just like, what do I want? What I don't want. I didn't even know really how to answer those questions. Like I knew I had a list, um, but I don't think I really understood what that list was. I'm just like, I want him to love Jesus. But like how that ended up happening was like way different than I thought, you know, in terms of like being equally yoked. And at the time Mm -hmm. I met John, like he wasn't going to church. um, And that really was like, it's okay. I can fix that. You know, like it was very like, um, I can change him kind of thing. Um, and like hearing that, you know, we don't missionary date and all those really traumatic things that we were taught, um, growing up. And so meeting him was a little terrifying because I was like, oh, he's not traditionally in church, but he like, he's he's not atheist, you know, like he has a relationship with God. It just looks a lot different um, than, than mine looks, you know, and mine is very involved in church, very involved in ministry at that time. Um, But then also was kind of not like, I think 
Um, I had been at churches every week with poetry and things like that. And I didn't really feel like I had a home um, for a while. And so I just found myself in this like very vagabond space when I met him. Um, mm -hmm. And then he kind of spoke name to a lot of things that I felt like I couldn't say out loud, you know, or questions that I didn't think I could ask. Um, and so, yeah, there was that pressure of it. There was the pressure of like, well, um, I'm a virgin, you know, so like we have to wait till we're married. Mm -hmm. um, that whole conversation, um, there was, you know, when we go on dates, like the group dates, like I was like real in that like youth <laughs> youth group yeah. um, mindset when it came to it, because I thought that's what I had to do, you know, and also being a person of having a platform, I was like, I'm the example. I'm also the oldest child too. So this constant weight and need to be, the example, um, the perfect epitome of being a, a anything, a daughter, a student, um, a mm. poet, a girlfriend, um, that pressure to be the example, to always be the leader in those spaces was very present as well. Um, <clears throat> and so figuring out like that balance of um, things physically, even though I was like fully attracted to him, <laughs> you know, like right. fully wanting to like, I'm like, dear God, like I, we would hang out and like, it took us a while to have like our, he like asked to hold my hand, you know, and kiss, like we Aww. took things fairly slow. Like we were still pretty Christian <laughs> um, in that sense. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, when he did kiss me and we started to be more physical, I was like, okay, Lord, like you got to keep all the things inside because I don't know what's happening because before, like I didn't, I didn't have my first kiss until I was 27. Um, because I kind of like took, <laughs> took beauty culture to like an extreme of like, well, I'm not going to not have sex. I'm not going to kiss anyone. You know, like that's how much I'm gonna keep this unlocked because I know myself like I fall in love with everything and everyone so I needed to like keep that for myself so I didn't have my first kiss until I'm 27 and I wasn't dating the person it was just like a lifelong friend who I kind of always liked and he kind of always liked me and and things like that and so it took me a long time um to figure out how to even physically be in my body um, because for so long being told that we weren't body, we were spirit, you know, like, um, and that we were soul and that we were, you know, um, we are servants. So we die to flesh. Um, I took all that very literally. So I didn't know how to be spirit in a physical body. Um, I just kind of like turned off the physical body side, you know, unless I was working out or things like that. So that was quite that was quite the trail but I think that answered the question it did I wow that opened up so much so as a therapist one of the mm -hmm. things that I do when we're talking about sexuality especially with ladies is we have to learn how to reconnect to the body yeah because um whether it's because of purity culture or trauma or shame or whatever it may be during sex there's a disconnection where it's like uh, we can ride the wave of the hormones, but if it comes to like just needing to be fully present, there's almost an inability to do that, if that makes Absolutely. sense. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so I'm curious if that looked different with you coming in with, you know, having not kissed till you're 27 and 
purity culture, all that versus your partner and what he was coming in with and like where Mm -hmm. that met in the middle. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was definitely tension there. He had been in a, in a relationship prior, um, and was engaged actually. So he had had like, you know, that, that relationship and that fullness with the person and that he was with before. And, and so I never wanted to like guilt my partner for having not been a virgin, whatever, you know, that really even (laughs) means, um, and, um, and even though I carried that, you know, responsibility for myself, like I kind of always thought like, oh, well, maybe I'll be the gift. Dear God. Um, <laughs> the more I like say things out loud, the more I'm like, hmm. um, the, the, I would be a gift, you know, from my, my husband, be the virginal, virgin um, <laughs> sacrifice. Um, yeah. For them. And the more I think about that, um, and that pressure I put on myself and I put on him um, to be that. Um, it could have broken us. Luckily, he's a very patient and very kind man. So it did not break us. But those anxieties, those fears were very much so there for me. Um, and the constant like pushing away, you know, like when we did start um, getting physical, it was like a constant, I didn't know how to, how to reconcile being fully in relationship with someone. Cause I'd never had that before. If I did date before it was long distance, you know? So we didn't, I mean, the guy before John, I, he literally told me I'll date you when we're married. Um, or I'll ask you to be my girlfriend when we're married. So he was, mean? he was very like, confusing I don't know what that is the word for it so I I had no idea what a healthy relationship looked like you know and before that I didn't date until high school so I'm like what does it mean to be an adult like at that point I'm like 27 28 like I'll be I'll be 30 in October you know so I'm like late 20s just now learning how to physically be here like fully be here I knew how to work out I knew how to listen to my body and know what to eat and what not to eat but all that other sexual part of who I am that I was told I had to suppress until a certain amount of time I didn't know how to live in and be and so he had learned you know not a ha- not to have shame with that sexual part of yeah. himself um and he would kind of like guide me through that but even more so like even the first couple um like when we were like early or early on in our physicality of just like I would say she you know like I would literally separate myself of like well she wants some things but like Um, I need you not to like I would literally separate um and he'd be like you I'm like uh-uh, she <laughs> you know, like and so he like no, no no I'm I'm not I'm with all of you wow. this is all of you your physical is all of you so there's a lot of like mending that he helped me do um because it very much so was I I literally talked about my physical self like it was a whole different person outside of me mm, yeah I <laughs> I think that is pretty 
common and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's one thing to have your little thoughts in your mind, you know, right. like, oh, I just want to do this and that, like rip his clothes off. <laughs> but when it comes to like putting voice to it, mm -hmm. I find that that's even something difficult for people who aren't waiting and right. are sexually active is like, what does it look like to communicate around body, sensuality, right. Um, and the needs and the desires that come with that, because that's like a really vulnerable place. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's very, I mean, it's, and that's intimacy at its finest, you yeah. know, because we don't have our, our things to hide our physical clothing, you know, our excuses mm -hmm. or our, you know, whatever it may be. Um, it's very much so a taking in of the other person and, um, it's really, yeah, it's terrifying. It's really beautiful, but it is scary because you're allowing yourself to be fully seen and fully known yeah, fully in, the, in those moments. And that can be really scary for us, especially with, with fear of rejection and in fear of and insecurities with our own self of like, we don't even know how to look at ourselves, you know, right. like naked and full, you know? So like, how the heck are we going to expect <laughs> another person to not be like, Ugh, you know, just because we are that way with ourselves. It's a very, yeah, it's a very scary um, process, but um, it's also like, I think that's what's so um, chain breaking and, and, and wall, um, yeah, wall diminishing. It is about it. I'm just like, no, like that is then love when it's like, mm -hmm. I have literally seen you, um, snot and tears and butt naked. Like yes. that is, that's love. That is that I've learned that is love right there. Yeah. I want a t-shirt with that. He's <laughs> not tears, tears and butt naked. <laughs> I'm here for it, honestly. Okay, we'll be selling those soon. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of butt naked, um, <laughs> I, I'm curious about, as you were married now and married in a pandemic probably increased um, or sped up parts of the emotional intimacy side too, mm. what was it like to learn how to be emotionally naked with him as your husband? Yeah. There was definitely like, I noticed like waves of that, like transitioning of even now, sometimes like, I think in general, I don't like asking for help. Um, I don't like feeling like I'm inconven inconveniencing people. Mm -hmm. And that's very frustrating for him because he's like, I'm literally here to be here in <laughs> inconvenience by you. You know, like I'm Aww. literally here. Um, and I, and we had this conversation while dating and I kind of will never forget of just like, he was like, I'm, I want to be on your team. Um, but you have to let me be on your team. Yeah. Um, because I am very individualistic. I'm very much so like, I'll do it myself or just do things in my head and not communicate them and then get frustrated, you know, because like, he's not reading my mind and I didn't communicate, uh -huh, right? <laughs> and so um, that that gets, you know, that happens and pops up quite a bit of like, I can't read your mind, babe, you know? And so I have to communicate what I need, what I don't need, what I want, what I don't want. And that is very hard for me because again, mm -hmm. I don't like inconveniencing people. Um, and I don't like feeling like I'm too much, you know, or doing mm -hmm. too much. And so constantly having that, um, in my head. And so having to communicate those things, um, 
and not shut down. I'm quick to shut down and just kind of like, if I can't fully convey how I'm feeling, then I'll just not, you know, I'll just kind of like recluse. Wow. So like learning all that and in a, <laughs> in a pandemic, we have two bedrooms. So there's, I can come in my office or I could go in the bedroom or he could go in the living room. Like you can't go anywhere. So we might do our walks, like some, I, both of us kind of like, we do need space to process. So giving each other that space um, and having those moments of frustration and, and me not just using that as like a space to just like leave or shut down in him the same way. Um, so it's been a constant learning um, and a really gentleness, but eventually it's like, we're all, we're both in the same apartment. So eventually we come back into the room, you know, and we, we start again um, and we try to get back on the same team. I think we come back to that often of like, we're on the same team here, you know, and there's too much happening in the world around us for us not to be on the same team um, and, and making sure that that is where we end up. And I think I've kind of always, I think this is how I knew I, loved him is in dating because again I didn't know what a healthy dating relationship was so when we did fight like my um my Enneagram four would be like this is it it's over over." so I would catastrophize like every fight until I started to realize like oh this is actually like this feels very constructive like our our arguments you know and our disagreements felt like we were like it became like this clay to something that we were building and less of this like tearing down. Like it felt, I felt closer to him after, you know, I felt like more connected to him after. And there was something in that, um, that made me feel um, really confident in what we had and, and same for, for being married. I'm just like, I got to communicate, you know, he's on my team um, and remembering those things. Yeah. Oh, that is really good. You, you, what you were talking about with what I would call repair is coming back to the argument or the conflict. That part is so important and it gets missed a lot. Like I'm sure you've seen memes of like <laughs> from black culture of like, this is how mm-hmm. black moms apologize. They ask right. if you want to eat. <laughs> what do you want to eat yes. today? <laughs> right. Not a, not a, I'm sorry. Yeah. Which I think is so cultural to you. And I've been trying to break that of like, mm-hmm for both of us, you know, of like, hey, we, I messed up, I was wrong, you yeah. know, and like, we don't, I think for him as well, like, even though he's not, he's not black, that still was a part of, you know, yeah. how he grew up as well. So we both kind of have to break that generational thing of like admitting when we were wrong, um, actually apologizing and apologizing for something specific and not just, I'm sorry that you were mad, you know, like, or Ooh. I'm sorry that you like, but like, I'm sorry. Like, because I was a brat last night and that wasn't fair to you. You know, like, I'm sorry that I had that moment. Um, I love you. I see you, you know? And, and so actually apologizing um, and that being so hard, it's so hard. Nobody likes doing that. Um, but I do think it helps create healthier um, interactions with each other. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Have you taken the, what is it? Like the five languages of apology test? I have not. That's yes. It is wow. by the same guy who did uh, Gary Chapman, who the did love the language. love languages. Wow. So okay. Created one for apology. And I think I don't know them all at the top of my head. So one of them is like uh, making restitution, mm. which is this is my plan to fix what I did. 
The other is accepting responsibility, which is what she just said, like I was a brat or I specifically didn't call you when I said I would. Um, Then there's like uh, asking for forgiveness is one of them. Like, can you forgive me for what I did to you? And then there's two more. Mm. But in taking that test, I realized this is why some people are like, the way you tried to say sorry means nothing to me. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. Because there's Mm -hmm. a way that we're looking for that actually connects with us so we are. even without yeah. knowing what they are what do you feel like your received language is of apology from him I think the straight up is really important I'm just like I'm sorry for this you know um and him coming to terms with it like I don't I don't want to have to tell you you should be sorry for mm-hmm. something like I want you to to know that there is something that went disarray. Um, again, the specificness I think is really important to me um, and to name it um, um, and then to like redeem it. And I know for him, it's like, it has, we have to have some type of physical interaction after okay. in order for it to feel like um, that we're okay. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm going to hug you. I'm going to kiss you. I'm going to hold your hand. I'm trying to physically do something with you with like physical touches, like not a huge love language for me. So I definitely, no? it's like a, it's like a remembering of like, he needs a hug now, you know, or he needs a, something to feel, to tangibly feel. Whereas I'm just like, I'm sorry, I love you. Mm, I <laughs> like, do what we need to do. So um, yeah, I think for me, it's just like the very specific, very say it. I'm a words of affirmation person too. So okay. I think it's important for me to either hear it or or see it you know if he's at work and you know we had our thing and he's like I'm I'm so really sorry about x y and z so I think that is really important to me um and then to like thereafter it's like okay um acts of ser- following up with acts of service I think really resonates okay. with me thereafter as well like he mm-hmm. goes fills up your car with gas yeah or like he I mean like washes the dishes or helps me you know Uh with something or I mean he usually washes the dishes but just things like that of just like what some type of acts of service or um makes breakfast or something like that um or even just like we go out and some like just some type of service Mm -hmm. um thereafter and it doesn't have to be yeah like something physical yeah good so kind of getting close to wrapping up I'm curious of anything that you would want to well first I want to say I have this concept of personhood where I don't really like defining us by our current relationship status whether that be Mm -hmm. single married you know divorced whatever Mm -hmm. because it then kind of anchors our life around whether or not we're in a romantic relationship Mm -hmm. so I go for personhood so is there anything that you would say to the person that is navigating dating or the person who's navigating um, a new marriage that is maybe trying to move through some myths or some lies or some just stuff? Mm. Yeah, I think I constantly, um, even if I'm like in a room full of, you know, professionals, I don't want to talk to the professional. I want to talk to the person mm-hmm. um, and and remind the person of their worthiness, remind the person um, of, of who they are and not 
that 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 it's more than what they do um and i think the same same goes for here is like um you are your your own entity and that's really important to be that first um and always because that's a constant you know like mm -hmm. as much as we would like our our relationships to be a constant sometimes not always the case you know but this is the constant you hear you yeah. breathing you being um that is the constant and so i'm um, continuing to foster that um, yeah. is really important to um date yourself like my husband he works a real person in person job <laughs> um and i work from home so there are days you know where he's out at somewhere and I'm not. So I take myself to the park. Um, I get a coffee, I get my favorite toast and I read and I be with myself. Um, and I think it's really important to always know how to be with yourself, even with a person, you know? Um, and, and that, yeah, it's important to know in order to express your needs, you need to know what your needs are. So learn that for yourself, you know, be constantly being a learner of yourself um, is really important. Like we, because especially as women, we will just soak um, what others are and what others need. And our needs start to just either get muddled or watered down and we're not aware of them because it doesn't matter because this is what their needs are and they either contradicts or whatever. But in order to be full and healthy um, and whole, it's important to know your needs um, and know what they are so you know how to to convey them and I kind of always say like um love yourself so that it can be a blueprint for the person who comes along you know mm -hmm. like you know how to do it um <clears throat> before anyone else does and I think that's really important as well yeah yeah that saves so much pain down the road because mm -hmm. I think what inevitably happens if you don't do that work is you get married and then it's like why don't you know how I want to be treated right. on Valentine's Day? Or like, uh -huh. I don't want to have to tell you. If I tell you, it won't count. Like, oh, God. Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's exactly. Funny. Yeah. Well, yeah. Where can people find you if they're mm -hmm. very intrigued by your personhood and want to follow along? Yeah. Um, everything is Ariel Astoria. So that's A-R-I-E-L-L-E-E-S-T-O-R-I-A. That's dot com um, for if you want some merch like sweatshirts and things like that. And also my books are on there. You can find me on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, if you're underground like that. Mm -hmm. And um, Instagram as well i respond pretty much everywhere um on there um pretty often and um yeah um pretty much i think there's twitter too but it's like a sassier non-brand side of me so feel free to go there if you'd like to as well <laughs> awesome thank you so much for your time thank you for joining us here and for those of you listening we hope that you remember as always that you are fully seen fully known and fully loved. Thank you, Aria. Thank you. That interview was really fun, guys. I hope that there's something that stood out to you that can serve as encouragement or maybe um, validation and confirmation for something that you've been feeling, or maybe it just sparked thoughts that you wanna dive into more. But I'm gonna include all of Ariel's information in the show notes so that you can find her, follow her, um, support her, and get all the goodies from what she's got on her site. 
And if there's one thing I hope you take away from today's episode, it is to consistently renew and water and pour into who you are becoming because who you are stays with you in all seasons of your life and all of your relationship status phases. And so if you can consistently become more and more of love itself, become more and more of intimacy, then you'll just reap the benefits of the benefits of that no matter what. I can't wait to talk again with you very soon.